Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. So you know we're in the middle of our series, Being the Light of the World. And so I'm like, you know, I got to come swinging. Because Pastor Joshua has been bringing the word, so I can't come up here just taking little blows. So we got to come out swinging today. We're going to go back to our, our, our text. We've been preaching from the beginning is Matthew chapter 5. However, today we're going to move back to, we're going to start at verse 13. And today the title of our sermon is Be Salty and Shine On. We're going to put a little bit of salt on your light today. And so starting at verse 13... You are the light of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we see this chapter of Matthew is commonly known as Christ's Sermon on the Mount. And this chapter opens up with what is called the Beatitudes. Now, Beatitude, just in case you don't know, when I preach, you're always going to get a definition. You're going to get a couple definitions in there. The beatitude is a word, is a Latin word that means, it means blessing. That's why every one of the beatitudes begin with blessed are, because it's blessed, they're blessings. And so we see that for the purpose of our sermon today, we're going to, we're going to flip the, you know, kind of modify the, the, the definition a little bit. And we're going to say the beatitudes are the attitudes to be. These are the attitudes that Christ wants us to be. And so within the Sermon of the, on the Mount, we find revelation. And I just want to say, whenever you read God's word, you ought to find revelation. Because it's, the word of God is full of revelation. Even if it's the same passage you read over and over, if your spirit is open and your ears are tuned, you will get revelation. And so we see, we find revelation of the principles and standards that God expects every person if you call yourself a believer, if you love Jesus and you have a relationship with him, there are standards of principles that God expects for all of us to be doing. And these standards are not only powerful, they're also practical, which means they're not theories, they're not ideas, there are things that we ought to be doing, there are things that we ought to be putting in practice, we ought to be doing them. And so, therefore, it's no surprise that within that same chapter that opens up with the Beatitudes now, starting in verse 13, Christ is saying, be salt and light. And so we ought to be salt and light. And we know that salt has certain benefits, right? We know this. We know that when we cook, we use salt or whatever you put salt into, it goes into that thing, it dissolves, it becomes part of it. Now, you can't go back in later and try to remove the salt because the salt now has become one with whatever it is that you put it into. Now, if it's a little bit salty, you might want to add a little sugar to kind of counteract the salt, but you can't go back 
and remove the salt. And so when Jesus here in verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, Jesus is speaking about the inside, the inward parts of who we are as believers. The work that is done on the inside. Because once Jesus goes on the inside of you, they, the world shouldn't be able to pick Jesus out of you. Jesus now is part of you. You've become one with Jesus. And so we're talking about the inward parts of the believer, the character of Christ that is being developed on the inside of the believer. When you spend time in the presence of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to do that work on the inside, then you can, act, you can shine brightly for Jesus. Sometimes we can't shine as brightly as we should or as we could because we have not spent enough time allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work on the inside of us, removing the things that are us, you know, some the things that we, we've accepted as normal about who we are. Or oh, this is how I've always been. Or oh, this is who I am. Oh, my mama was this way. My dad is this way. But who are you? What work have you allowed the Holy Spirit to do on the inside of you? Removing the hardness of your heart and replacing it with flesh. Removing it, allowing him to take away the unforgiveness and fill you up with forgiveness. The bitterness and fill you up with his love. The word says that they should know us by the way we love. People will know that you've spent time in the presence of God by the way you show love to other people. And so the salt is important that we spend time in the presence allowing him to do the work on the inside. We know that salt has certain benefits. One of the benefits salt has is it flavors and it seasons food. And so as believers, then we should enhance and flavorably, I think I just made that word up, and flavorably influence the culture of the world around us today. And so I want to ask you a question. What do you taste like to the world? How are you enhancing your environment with the flavor of Christ? Your atmosphere at work. How are you flavoring your job environment with the flavor of Christ? When you're at home, how are you flavoring your, your home with the flavor of Christ? Because as believers, we should exude the character of Christ from the inside. As salt, we bring and enhance the flavor of Christ on the earth. Salt is a preservative. And you know, when Jesus was speaking the Sermon on the Mount, he was speaking to a group of ordinary people. If there were scholars in the bunch, we weren't told of them. There were a group of ordinary people, everyday people, but yet he told them, you are the salt of the earth. And so we see that at that time, they could, they, they could relate more to salt being a, pre, a, a, a preservative because in the time of Jesus, there was no refrigeration. And so a lot of preserving of their foods was done by using salt. And so as preservatives, we cannot give and or agree with everything that pop culture is saying. You know, the things that we see on television, the images they try to drill into our heads, the new normals. The new way of doing things, you know, you can't watch a show nowadays and not see certain storylines thrown at you. They make it, they make sin look good. They make living together before marriage look good. They make fornication look good. Oh, it's so romantic. No, it's sin. And so we can't get used to that way of thinking. And Romans 12, 2 
We're warned of such thinking to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The worldly ideas, the way of thinking cannot become normal to us because as preservatives, we preserve kingdom culture. We preserve the integrity of the gospel of Jesus. You know, recently, a couple years ago, about maybe five, ten years ago, they started making canned foods in low sodium. But there was a time when all canned food was just regular level of sodium. And so if you are hypertensive or maybe you're on a low sodium diet, your doctors will tell you, don't buy canned foods because (laughs) the sodium content is so high. And that's the manufacturer's attempt to preserve the freshness and the integrity of the food. So that way, when you open up that can of food, you know, that can of of beans or corn or whatever it is, when you open it up, it doesn't taste like it's been sitting in your pantry for the past three months. And so then we, as salt, are called to preserve a godly influence on today's culture. And the, the fact that we can still see good things happening within our culture today You know, we live in a world that is dark, but we still see good and positive things happening is because we still have godly men and women that are being salt on this earth. We have godly men and women who are preserving kingdom culture, who are preserving, God says marriage is between a man and a woman. We're preserving the things that the world is trying to tell us. Oh, no, this is how it is now. Well, that's not what scripture says. We're being salt on the earth, and that's why we can still see good things happening. Salt has healing properties, and salt creates thirst. In in James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call to the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So as believers and followers of Christ, we're called to bring healing to the people around us that are hurting. You know, people, maybe you're one of them, are really good sometimes at hiding their pain. You know? We've been taught to take a licking and keep on ticking. Meanwhile, we're bruised behind our, our, our armor. And I'm not talking about the armor of Ephesians 6. I'm talking about the armor that we put up to keep people from seeing our hurt. As if there's something wrong or there's weakness and hurting. We all hurt. Now the choice we have is do you want to remain in that place of hurt or do you want to be healed? But as believers, we are called to bring healing to those around us who are hurting. Those who are hurting physically, emotionally. In 3 John 1, 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So God wants us not only to prosper physically, but he wants us to prosper in our emotions. Our emotions should not be ruling us, and we should not allow sickness to stay in our bodies and allow our bodies to become sanctuary for sickness because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that should, that should have sanctuary in your body is the Holy Spirit. Anything that is in your body that is not from God, it does not have a right to be there. It is trespassing. It's a squatter. And so he wants us physically and emotionally well. And he wants us spiritually well. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be 
to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He wants us blessed spiritually. He wants us to be able to, when we come against darkness, that we know who we are. And we know the power that we have on the inside of us. The power that Jesus died on the cross to give us. He wants us well, spiritually and mentally. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Nowadays, more than ever, we see people battling in the area of their minds. People under the care of psychologists, psychiatrists. But God's not given us a spirit of fear, power, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He wants us to prosper in our minds. And we do this by putting on the mind of Christ. We don't think conform to the thought patterns of this world, but we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us by the renewing of our minds. Amen? Amen. And so then we need to sharp, we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to sharpen our discernment so that we can see those around us who are hurting, those who are pretending that everything is okay, because it's only through the discernment of the Holy Spirit that we'll be able to see. You know, I can testify myself that there are some Sundays I come here and there are some people I can tell them I'm doing okay, but they look at me and they kind of tilt their heads to the side. They're like, yeah, I'm not getting their reading. Your words are not matching with what I'm seeing on your face. And so that's how we ought to be. That when someone comes, they'll try to hide their bruise. They'll try to hide their pain that we can discern through the power of the Holy Spirit that that person needs a hug. And sometimes that's all someone needs is a hug. And you go, you hug them and then they just melt. Or whatever it is they've been trying to hold on to, they just cry and and release it. So we must be discerning. I remember in our old Cooper City's location, I was in church one Sunday and I was sitting in between two girlfriends. And my girlfriend to the right of me just started crying and I don't mean like little cry I mean she was bawling like sobbing really loud so that even some of the other people you know she caught the attention of some of the other members and I remember that now this was a friend this was someone I had a re- I have a relationship with and she started crying and it never even dawned on me to reach over and and, and console her and put my arms around her or, you know, tap her arm or, you know, I didn't show, I didn't respond at all. It wasn't until my friend to the left stood up and went and sat on the opposite side of her. So now she was in between the two of us. It's almost as if when she stood up, it jarred me. And I was instantly convicted by the Holy Spirit. How can someone so close to you, someone that you have a relationship with is crying and you didn't reach out. You were unresponsive. And it came across as if I was unconcerned. And the Holy Spirit really convicted me very strongly about that. Later on, when I went home, I prayed and asked God for forgiveness. But you see, if I can't respond to a friend who's next to me, how responsive am I going to be to a total stranger? How responsive am I going to be to you that I don't know and I see you crying? How responsive am I going to be? And so we should not be unconcerned or unresponsive to those around us who are hurting. Saul creates thirst. And we saw evidence of this in John 4, chapter, uh, John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. The woman at the well had uh, an encounter with Jesus that left her thirsty. 
She said, well, I want some of that water. Verse 13, Jesus answered and told her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. The water that she was drawing from the well. Jesus said, that water right there, every person who drinks of it will become thirsty again. Verse 14, but Jesus said, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. The water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so when people are in our presence, they should, when they see us, they should thirst. We should create a thirst in them. When they look at us, they should become thirsty to know the God that we, that we serve and a desire to draw closer to, to Jesus. Your very presence should create a thirst and a desire in others to know more about Jesus. And in verse 14, Jesus describes in our text, Matthew 5, starting at verse 14, Jesus also describes us as being the light. And we've heard the past three installments that you are the light. Jesus describes his people as being the light. So if you love Jesus and you have a relationship with him, you are the light of the world. Now, we talked about salt being the work done on the inside. The, the, the light that shines on the outside is the testimony of the believer. The time that you spend in the presence of God, allowing him to make you over, allowing him to add his character into you, allowing him to put his flavor into you, now shines as light for the world to see. And that is your testimony. Light cannot be anything other than what it is. When the lights are on, you know the lights are on. The very, the very fact that you can walk into a room is because the lights are on. If there were darkness, you would need to turn on the light. Light is bright. It dispels darkness. It enables people to see what they are doing. Light is meant to be seen. And I think when Jesus said, and, and uh, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, I think Jesus was trying to show us the absurdity of that. Think about that. If someone were to do that in the natural, would you not look at them like something's wrong? Who lights a lamp and put it under a bowl? Other uh, translation says a bushel. But the, 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 the point here is that who lights a lamp and then hide the light? So if we're light of the world, how can we hide our light? Light cannot be ignored. Light illuminates, pierces through, and eliminates darkness. And it reveals the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of who Jesus is in us, the truth of who we are in him, and the truth of who he wants to be to them. Because Jesus was about saving people. That's why he came to die. He died so that we can be saved. And so the salt on the inside is the light that shines on the outside for the world to see, revealing the truth of who Jesus is on the inside of us. The more time you spend in the presence, the brighter you shine for Jesus. And so our light can become a seed because when we think about it, it says you are the light of the world. Now, truth is, some of us may never leave Florida. We may never venture out of this country. We may never venture out of Day County or Broward County or wherever you live. You may never go to another part of the world. And so our light then becomes a seed that we deposit, that we sow in other people. So I sow a seed of light of Jesus into you. And then when you go out to wherever you go, you sow that seed. And so that's how we can reach the world for Jesus. 
because of the seed of the light of Jesus that is in us that we sow in other people. And so it's not about just being inside the four walls. It's about outside of going outside the wall. Wherever you are, anywhere you are, you ought to be shining for Jesus. When you're at the supermarket, you ought to be shining for Jesus. When you're at the nail salon, girls, getting your nails done, you ought to be shining for Jesus. When you're getting your hair done, you ought to be shining for Jesus. Guys, when you go get your tape, you know, you try to get your tape straight, you ought to be shining for Jesus. When you're at the barbershop, the office, the mechanic, the restaurant, wherever you are, you sow a seed of the light of Jesus, and that's how we reach the world for Jesus. That's how we shine our light for Jesus. Because with Jesus, there's no distance. I shine the light here, you shine it there, and we're all shining for Jesus, and we can reach, shine for Jesus throughout the world. So, how, how does your light shine? How bright is your light? What precedes you? You know, when someone knows you're going to be somewhere, what do they think about? Oh, she's going to look cute. Oh, he's going to look dapper. Do we still use that word dapper? <laughs> you know, what do people think about when they know you're going to be somewhere? Do they think, okay, wow, I'm gonna, I know she's going to have a word of encouragement. I know he's going to have a word of encouragement. I know that he's, he talks about Jesus and he lets his light or they let, he let that person let their light shine for Jesus. Because your light should shine so bright that it precedes you. That people see your light before they even see you. Even before you open your mouth to say anything, they should see the light. See, because Revelation says that we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We testify the light of Jesus in our actions. The way that you love people, the way that you deal with difficult people, because some people, man, they were, boy, they were, you knock them upside the head with the light, but no, we're not going to do that. We're going to shine bright for Jesus. But the way that you love, the way that you deal with people that are difficult, the way that when you're going through difficulties, the way that you respond, people see that. You testify with your actions, and we testify with our words. And I think one of the most prevalent ways that today's culture and the enemy tries to keep our light from shining is when we have an opportunity to speak about Jesus, and they try to tell us no. Oh, no, you can't talk about Jesus here. Pastor Joshua shared last, last sermon how, as a pastor... He's asked to come pray, and then they told him that he couldn't use the name of Jesus. And I'm thinking, what absurdity. I'm a pastor. Everything I do is in the name of Jesus. I can't remove Jesus from the equation. It's because of him I'm doing what I'm doing. So if I can't speak his name, then I don't know what to do with you because that's the only name I know that will kick Satan out of any environment, that will remove darkness, that will cause demons to flee. And darkness to tremble. So if you want me to pray healing over you, that's the one name I know I can pray healing over you with. Or if you're being, if you're being influenced by demonic forces, that's the one name I know that they will bow to. So if I can't use the name Jesus, ah, I almost said a Creole word. I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you get excited, that language comes out. <laughs> And so we see that the world tries to tell us not to talk about Jesus. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, For the time will come 
When people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Well, the time is now. We are living in such time. People don't want to hear sound doctrine. They want to believe that there's more than one way to get to God. Well, I'm sorry. Jesus is the only way I know. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so now truth has become subjective. If you believe it's true, then it's true. Or I want to tell my truth. Well, my question to you is then, who is the foundation of your truth? Where is your truth founded? Because the only truth I know that can save people out of sin and lead them to the Father is the truth of Jesus. It's the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And so if your truth does not align with the word of God, then it is not the truth. It's just a, it's simply a version of the truth, but it's not the whole truth. We see people finding others to support their version of the truth. Spirit of agreement works both ways. It works in the negative as it does in the positive. It works in the natural as it does in the spirit. And we even see people using scripture to justify what they think is the truth. People to condone their version of the truth. And so when we remain silent, that's one way that we keep our light from shining. We can't be afraid to speak. Even if we have to do it creatively, Pastor Joshua, we got to bring Jesus in the conversation and we got to keep Jesus in the conversation because the only truth that can set you free is the truth that is founded in Christ. Because let's, let's be honest. If the, if your truth was really that powerful, wouldn't you be set free already? If the truth that you believe really was the, the truth, you would have been set free already. You wouldn't, you wouldn't still need a savior. But the fact that the truth that you have is a watered-down, convoluted, man, man-made truth, that's why some people still walk in bondage. And so when we shine, we speak the truth of who Jesus is. We have the real truth. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. The truth of the gospel of Jesus is the truth that I know that can set you free. And you know, it's not that today's culture doesn't want us to talk about Jesus. Let's be honest. You can't turn and watch, you, you can't watch something on television now where the name of God or Jesus is not used in a disrespectful, profane way. We put a word at the end of God's name to show how angry we are. Whatever word comes to our mind, we put before, between, or after the name of Jesus Christ. We put any other word other than spirit at the end of holy. And so no one is offended and insulted when you talk about Jesus in a derogatory, dishonorable way. Now, what they're afraid is, is when we talk about Jesus within the context, the proper context, and that is the context of power. When we talk about, when we tell him that, listen, Jesus is the only way to get to God. There's no other way. Or that Jesus died for your sin. And Jesus is the answer to the problems of the world today. And as a matter of truth, Jesus is the answer to your problems. The reason why you're still in bondage is because you've not met Jesus. And once you meet Jesus, you will be set free. So when we start talking about Jesus within the proper context of power. And that the name of Jesus in itself is a prayer. 
And based on the tone of my voice, when I call Jesus, Father already knows what I need. That's the threat. And that the name of Jesus is power. It is healing. It's the only name that makes demons flee and that makes darkness tremble. The only name by we, by we, we, we receive healing. His name is higher above any other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. When we start talking about Jesus within that power context, that's when there's a problem. And so how do we respond then? Do we just stop talking about Jesus? Because the truth is the areas where we're being told not to talk about Jesus are the very areas where we need to talk about Jesus. Because whatever principality is over the air in that area does not want the one name that will cause it to flee, that will cause it to bow, it doesn't want that name spoken of. And so, yeah, no, we don't talk about Jesus here. It's inappropriate. Well, then, I'm sorry because I don't know any other name that will set you free. I don't know any other name. As a matter of fact, call me the Jesus lady because when I'm around, we're going to talk us about some Jesus. Call me the Jesus guy because when I'm around, we're going to talk about Jesus because that's the only name that can set you free. That's the only name that can solve the problems of the world. That's the only name by, any, by, any, the only name by which we can be saved. And so I don't know what other name you want, but the only name I know is Jesus. That's the only name I got is Jesus. And so to be salt and light, it starts with when we spend time in the presence, letting the Holy Spirit do the work on the inside. You want to shine bright for Jesus, spend time in the presence. Allow him to develop his flavor on the inside of you. The work that is done on the inside becomes the light that testifies of who Jesus is on the inside of you. My friend's mother passed away a couple Saturdays ago. We had her funeral. And at the funeral, one of the sisters uh, shared how growing up in the Bahamas, they didn't always have a lot, but mom was the kind of person where her door was always open. If you needed something, her door was open. And she said, I know we didn't have a lot to give in the natural, but one thing I was certain of, whenever they left our home, they left with a little bit more of Jesus on the inside of them. And I'm like, imagine if we would just start thinking that way. That whenever we're around, because God is a God of intentionality, so when you think you've met someone, you think it's coincidence, it's not coincidence. There's a purpose. And so imagine if we would start thinking, every time we speak to someone, we see them as a vessel to deposit and sow Jesus in. So every time they, they, they left, every time they leave, they leave with a little bit more Jesus on the inside of them. That's how we become the salt of the earth in light of the world is allowing Jesus to shine through us so that people can leave with a little bit more of him, of Jesus on the inside of them. Amen? Amen. If you will bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. How grateful we are that you tell us in your word who we are. And we know that every, everything that you say we are, that's who we are. And you've given us the power to be salt and light.
And so, Father, we thank you today for the work that's being done, even at this moment, while you're here right now. You know, sometimes when we hear a word like this, the enemy can try and bring condemnation. Oh, wow, you've not been salt and light. Well, you know what? When you hear the truth, you can start at that moment. If you've not been salt and light, you can, from this day, you can start and become salt and light and shine bright for Jesus. And so, Father, we come against the spirit of condemnation and we receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Father, that from this day forward, we will walk as salt of the earth and be light of this world. Father, we pray that this word would take root in our hearts so that when we leave here, it's not just another word, it's not just another sermon, but it is the power of God on the inside of us that will bring healing to a world that's hurting, that will create a thirst to a world who is searching for living water and that will bring flavor and preserve kingdom culture. Father, we thank you. We honor you today. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.